Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Hit Chat Chit Chat. Today, I it is just me, but we do have a guest. Uh, we have Andrew Cressy uh, with the Houston Astros minor league hitting instructor. He's going to be joining us. This is the second time he has joined us. Uh, he joined us uh, with JP Shoot. How long ago was that, Andrew? Uh, that was so well, like six months ago. I was in, yeah, I was in Fayetteville. So I was, uh, I was ending the season out in Fayetteville. So it had to be September. A few months hey, ago. Let's go. Yeah, you guys had a long ass run there. We did. No, it was a, it was a good time, especially like first year in pro ball going from, uh, being in the complex, going up to affiliate ball, um, going to instructs and then with the big league team being in the world series so we were out there so baseball was, was rolling for a long time so that was that was pretty cool so real quick i'm gonna kind of brag a little bit about you uh there is a post by a kenny van doran uh who is with uh something with the uh like dallas area i believe uh correct me if i'm wrong uh like a reporter from there uh, but ended up tweeting, Astros minor league hitting coach Andrew Cressy will return to the Florida Complex League for the 23 season. The FCL Astros Orange finished 2022 top six in runs, RBIs, average, OBP, and slugging, and in top four in OPS, setting the Astros FCL GCL record and team OPS. So, congratulations, dude. I mean, like that was so that was something that uh, it was funny. Like I had that on a a post, like at the end of the year, um, I had made a, a compilation of like every, like every homer or every like extra base hit. I sat there for like forever and did it and sent it to the players, um, just because we had two complex league teams uh, this past season. Uh, you know, our guys hit really, really well, uh, and considering that we were one of. I think it was two or three teams. I know the Giants had two complex teams. I know there's one more. I just cannot think of it off the top of my head. But um, there are very few organizations that ran two FCL or two complex teams. Usually it's something you do in the DSL, but not in the FCL um, or at the, the complex level. And um, so when you're splitting your talent across two teams, um, you know, obviously you get more development opportunities, but the talent is, is spread out a little bit more. So um, it extremely well. Um, you know, we were playing guys or playing organizations that, that fielded one team. So all their talent was in one spot. Um, and that's why I think the player development space is so important. Um, you know, talent rankings and prospect rankings are great, but you know, if you have a great development system within your organization, like it doesn't matter. You're just getting everybody better. So I was, I was really proud of those guys. That was a huge accomplishment. Um, pretty cool to have, uh, to be a part of that success kind of especially my first year so dude that's awesome and for anybody that's not too sure about what a complex team is uh would you mind going and going in a little bit about what the difference of that is with possibly like with a double a AA team or anything like that yeah so um generally organizational structure of the minor leagues you have your uh, Dominican Summer League, which is going to take place at the academies out in the DR. Um, and then you have your Complex League, which is uh, their stateside. Uh, generally, Brookie Ball um, is what they'll call it, but they'll separate it between Florida Complex League, which are generally like half the teams are out here, 
um, the other half are in the Arizona uh, Complex League. Um, that's all before affiliate ball. So, you, you know, before low A, high A, double A, triple A. Um, so generally, you know, you're playing at the spring training complexes of whatever organization you're with. Um, for us, we're down in West Palm Beach. So we'll play down here. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a smaller list of opponents. Uh, generally, like we play against the Mets, the Nationals, the Marlins, um, and the Cardinals. Um, and last year for a while, we had our, our second team that we play against as well. But, um, you know, we will play, that's our division. Uh, if you win your division, you can go on and you'll play in the playoffs against, um, some of the other organizations that have their divisions down here. So like the Red Sox, the Twins, the Yankees, the Blue Jays are down here. Um, I think the Pirates, there's, a, there's obviously a few more that I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, but uh, generally rookie ball is going to be those. Uh, those lower level guys, the younger guys, um, draft picks, um, the 18 year old kids that come over from the DR. So that's the, that's the level we're at. And for you, is that something that, uh, you have found maybe a little bit of, um, a different teaching style or, or approach going from working at driveline, uh, to maybe an area where you have athletes that are really young, uh, probably getting paid a little bit more, uh, than some others, um, and possibly even a language barrier. Have you found that you've had to adjust anything that you kind of did, whether it's like analogies or kind of how you go about your, uh, instruction from driveline to, uh, having a full year of the complex league under your belt now? Yeah, I think, well, that's just like two parts. I think coming over from driveline, there definitely was a um, adjustment period as, you know, you're coming in, uh, especially, you know, when you're guarded as more of a progressive outlier in um, a player development space on the hitting side, coming over from driveline, there were definitely things that um, don't necessarily translate as directly. I think that was part of the learning experience was coming over and know, trying to implement some of those things and realizing, okay, this works, this doesn't, this carries over, this doesn't. Um, that's why having extended spring training for the complex league. Um, so basically when spring training's over, um, there's usually, used to be longer, but I think it's about six, six, seven weeks now, um, where you have almost like this extended period of time before the rookie ball season starts in June, um, where you're getting, you have guys, you're getting a lot of the guys that you're going to have during the season, being able to get really uh, aggressive in what you're doing, almost like an extra off-season program. But having that time uh, was huge in the development piece, but also like in terms of my growth and understanding of what I can do, um, what translate and what doesn't. Uh, second part to that question, the players are all kids at the end of the day. Um, just because you give an 18-year-old or if they're a Latin kid coming from the DR, um, which generally most of the population of your Florida complex league guys are going to be uh, Latin kids from the academy, um, unless you draft a high school kid that might hang around there. But, um, you know, a lot of these guys are, are coming from very different backgrounds uh, to the American-born players. Um, they're given generational money at a really young age. Like, But I think like even if you gave a 16-year-old kid here, million dollars um they're not going to automatically become an adult and automatically make 
smart decisions and because they're still growing. They're they're end of the day, they're they're still kids. Uh so I think that carryover from driveline um was still there. because uh, you know, you're dealing with younger guys. Um, you know, I dealt with minor leaguers, college guys, high school guys. So they have different levels of maturity and then they're in different paths of of that process of maturing. So there definitely is kind of a adjustment period for you as you learn everyone what motivates guys uh gamifying everything is pretty huge um because extended is a really long time um you know i love the development process but if you are a 18 year old kid that really just wants to get going really wants to get out of there and go on to affiliate ball and you know reach major leagues like extended can be a, a, a drag if you're not um smart in how you're allocating out that training economy so um, I think overall, it's, there are some things that translate, some things that don't, um, but there definitely is an adjustment period just to see what works and what doesn't and what clicks with certain players. Uh, so, and not to ruin the, the fun, the fun of it, but I knew like really early on that, um, you're probably able to go, uh, because I have coworkers who have been with the organization, um, in the last few years, he has just a lot of on-field success. So we've been to the world series a few times. Um, we've advanced far in the playoffs. Um, you know, they had said in years past that apparently make the world series, uh, you go for games one and two team flies you out there. Um, so it was a really cool thing, uh, especially in my first year, to fall alongside of that and, and be a part of that and be able to contribute in whatever minuscule way that I did, uh, especially at the minor league level. But um, that was definitely something awesome to be a part of, you know, being a, a part of that and winning a ring in your in your first year. Um, that was pretty cool. I thought I was going to be the first previous driveline guy with one, but um, Rob Hill of the Dodgers already has one. So. I beat Ochard, <laughs> so that works. <laughs> Damn it. Hey, what was that? So you're the second guy with one then? Yeah, so the director of pitching for the Dodgers uh, is a former uh, driveline employee. So I uh, I had, I was solely looking in the hitting space because I knew with the Astros going against the Phillies, um, obviously Ochart was uh, the director of hitting there, and now he's moved on to the Red Sox. Um but yeah, it was, it was, it was cool to kind of go up against that. At least the idea in my head, of, you know, can I, I veto chart to the first one, even though he was had a, a lot more of a direct hand in the success of that, that work, but uh, especially with all the years he was there and the work he did, but, um, now he's, now he's with the Red Sox and I'm sure they'll be taking off pretty soon too. So, uh, that was, that was pretty cool. Hey, like, I mean, that's just like childhood dreams right there. I mean. Obviously, it goes from at the beginning, like being on the field, but then slowly as kind of that career path 
kind of closes a little bit. And then it's like, all right, like, let me go win one as a coach. And I mean, for your first year in being a professional coach at the, uh, you know, with the major league team, like you won. I <laughs> think like, that's pretty sick. Like, even though you like, maybe not have worked with any of the guys that are on there, like with the, you know, foundation that you're building, the guys that you just ended up coaching your first year, it sounds like with how good they are. I mean, there's a strong possibility that you're going to be able to be there again and again and again. Um, I mean, that, that's got to be pretty freaking cool. And if we're being honest, I mean, I don't know. It's not me saying it. It's the outsiders. Some people don't count the Dodgers World Series. I don't know. That's that's not me. That's not me. That's just what, you know, the outside people are saying. So, like, you know, maybe maybe you're, you're the first full season driveline uh, former that has a World Series ring. I mean... I'm gonna say my 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 sole contribution was when uh, Dave Myers was was rehabbing. I I flipped him a couple balls, so there's my my contribution to someone who was on the playoff roster. Um, there we go. By the way, ni- nicest, probably the nicest guy in baseball you ever meet. So just fun fact about him. Hey, you love to hear that. You love to hear that. Um, it was it was definitely a cool thing to be part of that first year. I think all it means is I just yeah, I got, got lucky and I picked right. Uh, you know, Jason Kanza, the former coordinator, um, was the guy that hired me. So uh, the kind of things that he had said and the conversations we'd had, the conversations I had with uh, uh, Al, the former GM, new GM of the uh, San Francisco Giants, Pete Patilla, uh, had some great conversations with him. Uh, the current assistant hitting coach for the Reds, uh, now Tim Lamont, when he was here, um, really great conversations with him that, that kind of led me to, to want to be a part of it. And a lot of them weren't even like conversations that were necessarily like baseball, baseball related, but just, um, really thought provoking conversations and, and things that, uh, it really made this an a attractive place to, to want to be. I'm winning on the field also. <laughs> that that kind of helps. That's nice. Gives you a good taste. Right. Um, especially when, there's only like really one team that can win the last game of the season, like postseason, like, and to be a part of that one team, that's pretty freaking sweet. Um, one thing that I kind of would like to also get into a little bit is the shoe game, dog. Those Nike Maxes, those are clean. I uh, I w- I would be lying if I said I just pulled those out of nowhere, like I. Uh... Our, my former manager, who is now the um, freshly promoted to be Fayetteville's manager next season, uh, Ricky Rivera, um, he had spotted those somewhere, and I know um Cerny, one of our, our outfield prospects, he had, he had had them all year in Fayetteville, so I, I saw those before. Uh, so I knew if I was going to be down in, in the FCL, I had to step up the shoe game. Uh, but, you know, like the problem with the on-field coaching role is whatever shoes you own are going to get absolutely destroyed halfway through the season, so... Um, I'm a big fan of of the Nike the Nike clearance uh, section just because I know those things last like two three months and then see you later. So I probably went through about like seven pairs of shoes last year, uh, especially in the FCL because like a lot of times uh, you're sitting like on the field. Like usually there's uh, some ten by tens that are just like outside the dugout and you're like sitting out there. Um, exception being the Marlins, who actually have a really nice. Uh, field setup. 
um, you know, we do as well down here. Like we have a build two, I guess is what it's referred to as, but has the same dimensions as Minimid. Um, but that's pretty know, strong field. You're in the dirt a lot. Yeah, it is. Uh, so you're on field, you're in the dirt a lot. So those, the, the shoe game is much as strong as you try to keep it. It's like a other full-time job and trying to make sure they don't look like garbage after two weeks. <laughs> um, moving on and getting a little bit more into like ABCA was that I, if I recall that was your first time going uh yes because I was supposed to go so I was out in DC for a long time Um, I was supposed to go when it was out there but I think that was the COVID year it was cancelled uh, oh I didn't go then which would have been cool because I was, I was at that point I was living, um, I guess it was like two places, but at one point I was living just on the other side of the river from where the convention center was, where they were going to have it. Um, so I was on Alexandria, so that would have been very easy and nice to do, but, um, obviously going to, going to Nashville is, was fun. It was a good time. Uh, you know, met you there in person. Uh, it was good to see all the, the driveline guys too, because hadn't seen them, uh, since, when I, when I was there in person. So, um, you know, pro ball kind of takes over your life and keeps you in one spot for a little while. So, uh, it was nice to see all those people. And then, um, went out there with a few of my coworkers. Uh, so they had a lot of their, uh, former coworkers out at, at different orgs and different, uh, schools and things like that. So I met a lot of people, had a nice, a lot of, a lot of nice baseball conversations. It was pretty awesome. Dude, that, that was my first time going to, uh, it was a pleasure to finally meet you. Uh, I was able to meet a, a bunch of other people that I kind of, you know, you'd chit-chat on the socials uh, and different things like that. Um, to finally like, be able to meet someone face-to-face, shake their hand, you know, dab them up and stuff, like, it's a little different. It was kind of surreal, like, walking around and thinking there's, you know, 7,000, 8,000 coaches that are similar, you know, to myself, to you, that are all in this one just location, like just one hotel, one area um, that are just almost like nonstop communicating and chatting. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be directly about baseball or just, you know, shooting the shit, talking about old stories or talking about new players, new drills, new events, new tools, like all those things. It was for me kind of like an eye-opening experience of like, hey, this is, this is pretty freaking cool. And uh, I don't know, did you, were you able to see uh, Manny Ramirez? Oh yeah, I saw he was by the, uh, he's doing that thing by the 44 gloves thing. I yeah, that's where he was there. I walked by him and I was looking at him. I was like, why do I feel like I knew who that is? Cause he'd like, wear those giant sunglasses and I think he'd shave. So yeah, like, they were like green, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean like, it was funny. Like you're a lot bigger than I thought you were in person. So I was like, when I met you, I was like, oh, or either that or I'm just a lot smaller than most people think I am. So I'm like the only <laughs> Astros hitting coach, like under 6'5 and 250 pounds. So all 5'8 of me walking around kind of surprises people. <laughs> I've been, well, I, I've been yeah. confused. Video guy and an analyst and, you know, every other job that isn't hitting coach, people think that I am all the time. So. Do you get like, because, I mean calling space bay jp's in the same boat like do you feel when that happens is there any like i don't know not animosity but is it is it like 
Like, yeah. what? When someone asks you or like interprets you as like you said, like an analyst or whatever, like, do you get like, kind of, do you take a step back? Like, how? What's the feeling of that? I mean, like when I was out in Fayetteville, we were down east playing. Um, it's the Texas Rangers affiliate. So we were down there. It's towards the end of the season. And like, you know, and like players just pepper the mini hack and the, the, the screen thing pushes up against the wheel. So like yep. we're out there. We had like two weeks left in the season. Um, this was our last uh, away stretch before we went home. And like the thing's just been blasted so many times. It was like the away machine. So like I had to get like a hammer from like the, the grounds crew. And I'm like just going to town on this thing to try to fix it like in the moment on the field. And um, I think it was like a bunch of the staff members from the Rangers were like talking to, I think it was our strength coach. And he was just like, yo, why is your video guy just like hammering the machine or something like that? And I was like, what? <laughs> so I, you know, um, I kind of got used to it. I mean, I'm not the biggest person in the world. And then, you know, we have like a lot of guys in our work. Uh, our, our AAA hitting coach, Aaron Westlake, is just like an enormous dude. Um, like works out like three times a day in spring training. Um, you know, our former coordinators, pretty big dude, Kanzler, um, guy coming over from the DR, um, Kyle Brennan, like just stacked and yoked. He's huge. Uh, so like I, I stand out anyway. I just kind of accepted this point. <laughs> but it is what it is. I mean, um, kind of just laughed at it during the season because, you know, I was down there with our, um, he's now our high hitting coach. Um, where he was just kind of down there doing the rehab stuff and um, you know he's like covered in tattoos and he's you know he's a bigger dude um, so when we would kind of sit next to each other on the field and we're like talking hitting or pointing people out um, but I always ask like like why is that analyst guy on the field because I always had like a computer with me or something and so it just it happens so often that I just kind of learned to laugh at it like it's <laughs> I mean I'm sure JP will run into the same problem because me and JP are pretty much the same size. I think I got a, a couple, couple inches. Ayo. Like, but you can always tell over players versus guys that, um, you know, might have played in college, might have played somewhere else. Uh, start that prototypical, like, 6'4", 225 kind of deal. Well, and, like, like how you mentioned, you said, I always have a computer with me. So, like, even if, like, let's say we were, like, I don't know. Like, if you were like you, you mentioned the the bigger dude. If like homeboy's just walking around like carrying a computer as well, like it might just look like he's trying to find some good Wi-Fi. Like I don't know. Like maybe maybe they are the tech guy. Are are you like walking around like laptop out on the hand or like are we sitting on are we sitting down typing on the lap? Uh, it's gonna depend on what. Uh, rabbit hole I've decided to go down that point in time um, you know nice thing about the Astros was the amount of freedom that I got when I was there in terms of um, you know putting forth new ideas and, and trying to implement certain things um, especially at the complex level um, you know coming in there in my first year was probably one of the the best things about it was that I was given a tremendous amount of leeway um which coming out of driveline, I really liked. Um, so, you know, that was a big, uh, a big reason 
in addition to other ones, like why I, I ultimately chose to um, go work for the Astros. So, um, but with that comes the fact that it incentivizes me to be constantly thinking of random things and chasing stuff to see, hey, does this work? Could this work? Could this improve? Um, you know, the things that we're doing. Um, been told don't reinvent the wheel a lot because I like to think about stuff. But uh, at the same time, like if you have processes that you can improve upon, um, you know, different things you can try and if you can back up with, with data and, uh, you know, why not try to implement that? I mean, that's like the biggest thing with professional baseball is everybody's always chasing these very uh, new things. And you probably have a couple of years, maybe a year or two of, of an advantage before everybody else grabs it, catches onto it. You kind of look for the next thing. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll take the, the analyst video guy confusing things. Uh, it is what it is. I just laugh at it. Um, I, I like how you were able to mention that you're able to bring up new ideas and look to implement them without being any specifics. What does that process look like for yourself when it comes to like, when you're sitting on the field, we got a laptop uh, ready and you're seeing something going on, like what engages that process of thinking, hey, we could do better if we did this or what if we did like, how does that start from a seed of an idea to then, you know, obviously don't have to get into specifics, but like, uh, is it like for me here at Fast, um, if I come up with an idea, I'll go to Jason, uh, who is the owner, and say, hey, I want to do this. And he'll look at me and go, well, why haven't you done it yet then? And it's like, all right, well, I want to make sure I wasn't going to burn the place down. Uh, I'm going to go do that now. So more so here, it's like, go do it. Why are you asking for permission? What does that process look like for you with from the start of an idea or a thought of something could be different or what if we did this? to then actually like implementation, whether it's on a practice level, individuals, uh, or in like a game setting. So obviously the on-field stuff is, is going to be more like, I have that computer up for, for scouting reports, um, videos we've made before, um, but things like that, they're going to help the, the hitters in that point in time. Um, that's you, that's where like the, uh, the analyst stuff comes from. Cause they see me sitting there with all of it. Uh, cause you know, you'll, you'll have the iPad set up and all that. Um, but like when it comes to implementing, you know, ideas at this level, obviously like in leadership above you, um, plays a big role in that and, and what you're able to do or what you may have to present. Um, you know, my former boss, it was the, the former coordinator, Jason Kanzer was, um, he's guy brought me on. He was a big, like, um, you know, ask for forgiveness later kind of deal, um, which, which was huge and incentivizes a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of trying new things. Um, a lot of discussion generates a lot of discussion. Um, new coordinator is, is kind of the same way, uh, with him, like, um, you know, I have to present something to him next week. Um, he's really open about it, but obviously he just wants to hear, um, you know, the why behind things and, um, can you back the things that you want to do? So, um, slightly different approaches, but still very open-minded in terms of, uh, enabling us to grow as an organization and direction of the, the player development space. Um, you know, the hitting side is always 
playing catching up with with the pitching end, especially for the Astros, as good as they are on the pitching end. We have like an entire homegrown rotation um, developed from guys that I think the organization paid like ten thousand dollars to with with Framber and um, Christian Javier and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think it's really important to have those guys in the hitting space. But um, it's not like no, it's also a different setting because it's professional baseball. There's a lot of money on the line. Um, it's not to say that there isn't money in the line at driveline, but driveline has very much that same. Um, if you think of an idea, it is your responsibility to do it now. Like, it doesn't matter how, like, small it is. Like, I remember one of my first weeks there, um, these cabinets, and there was something with cables running through it, and, like, I was just like, why isn't it, like, run through here? And I remember Tanner Stokey was like, oh, it's a good idea. Do it. I, you've thought of it now to take care of it. So I was, I was like, I think the next day I was like drilling a hole in like a metal cabinet. People looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? Um, from the, the training floor. But like it, that was the kind of atmosphere they have, um, where like you think of something and the owner's now on you, like now implement it. Don't just wait for someone else to do it. Um, I think at the, the professional level, um, it's tougher. And I think it depends on the organization. Um, because yeah, there is so much money involved and because turnover for some organization, uh, organizations are so high, um, it leads to a lot of fear and that's not always going to promote as much growth in the, in the development space. If you're constantly afraid that like, you're going to screw something up or you're going to get fired if you try something new and it doesn't work. Um, so I think that's, that's something the Astros do very well. Um, I don't think that fear of of failure and then having it correlate to being fired is there. Um, that's what's led to a lot of their success. I mean, like there's a, there's a secret sauce in, in, in enabling the people that you hire to explore and promote new ideas without the fear of like retaliation if something doesn't work. Cause if you never try it, you're never going to know. Um, and in such like a copycat quick turnaround industry that is baseball at the professional level, like, you have to be able to do those things. And I think your coaches have to be able to be confident in exploration. Um, obviously within reason, like you're not just trying everything under the sun without being able to justify it. But um, yeah, I think that's going to be your greatest tool, especially with the success that teams like the Astros have had, um, where it's it's the development space. It's, yeah, you're, you're scouting talent. Yeah, you're bringing in good players. Um, you're bringing in guys you think could be good players, but, like, are you developing them and are you able to develop them? Um, and that's without high draft picks, uh, you know, last couple of years where they didn't have first or second round picks, um, where they were limited in international signing and things like that. So um, being able to identify talent and develop the right guys and be aggressive in it, you know, obviously we've had a lot of success doing that, and you just want to keep doing it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I like what you said, like you have to be willing to explore without fear of retaliation. And I feel like that's the same when you're on the field as well. Um, whether you're going through and trying a new stance, you're trying a new uh, cue, whatever it is, you're fielding, you're trying a different uh, glove action or you're pitching, you're trying a different grip. If you're scared of the failure, then you're not going to be willing to try something new. If you're not willing to try something new, you're just going to keep being the same person that you were. If you're the same person, you're not getting better. If everyone else is getting better, you're 
actually getting worse. And so it's one of those kind of like cycles um, where if you have a coaching staff that is able and willing uh, to, you know, kind of explore or question the quote unquote, the known, um, I think that then will will also then filter into the players as well because they see, hey, you know, if my coach is able and willing to kind of try a new drill, then I can, I'm able to kind of try something a little bit different. And if it doesn't work, like, hey, we're going to talk about it, like it doesn't work, but I'm not getting slapped on the wrist. I'm not getting in trouble. Like you said, if you're fearful of losing your job, uh, you're not necessarily going to try the craziest thing in the world uh, because you you want to be safe. And I, I feel like that plays at all levels, and it's one of those w- where it works from the top down. Um, I think that goes to show kind of why the Astros have had the success that they've had um, just from at, at the smallest minor league level working all the way up through. And like you said, uh, I mean, you guys have had uh, a homegrown rotation um, and a lot of homegrown players. And, I mean, that's a testament to the player development that you guys have done and for you to be able to jump on board last year and looking to continue it this year. Um, I mean, dude, sky's the limit, brother. I definitely am like, uh, I think there's just kind of like, like you said, starting from that, that bottom point, um, kind of like, like just kind of like reasoning up from like the, the fundamental truths of it. And then just kind of figuring out something really makes sense or just, you know, is it, is it just everyone else is doing it kind of deal? Um, you know, I think I mentioned in the first time then when I was talking to you and JP, like it was really important for me to have the players be able to understand why and not be afraid to ask me why, uh, because being able to share that understanding with them and the justification, like it makes you better as a coach because you have to, not only do you have to believe in the things that you, that you're pushing, but like that you have to have an understanding that it's appropriate. It works. Um, there's a justification. There's a why behind it. And for them as learners and especially as professional athletes, uh, you know, being in the off season, now you have to have that conversation with a lot of guys when they go off and they go work with whoever, uh, whether it be somebody new, somebody they've experienced in the past, they've worked with, um, getting them to take ownership of their career, um, having them understand that like when you're working with these people, um, Everything is a recommendation, almost not an absolute, because like it's your career at the end of the day. Um, don't just wholeheartedly do the things that people do because everybody's doing it. Like, try to get an understanding and learn, um, understand the reasons behind things and why why something works, why you're doing something, why it applies to you. Um, I think that's really important on player end but also just on the coaching end too because it's going to make you better it's going to be able to challenge your um your perspective and level of thinking um you know i think people are automatically inclined from an ego kind of viewpoint that when you're presented with information that conflicts your own majority of people are going to dismiss it and shut it down because it means that you're wrong um and it sounds super cliche because everybody says it and everybody says how open-minded they are and um, you know, I think in any kind of setting, um, especially like in the professional space where, um, you know, people do have egos, um, everybody does, um, you don't want to be wrong. Um, but like, I think it's really important 
advancement of yourself and just like the department as a whole, um, if you're willing to have those conversations and, and, and willing to be wrong and then adjust your thinking and say, Hey, like, okay, what I thought doesn't make sense. Here's why now can I build on that versus like shutting things down? Um, you know, you see that conversation a lot, um, especially in like the social media space, like the dumpster fire that hitting Twitter is and things like that, where it's all about why other people are wrong and not why you're right. Um, yep. and if you are right, like, why are you right? Um, and then being able to have that, that conversation. Like I know there was a presentation that I did, um, it was last year. Um, we were having kind of this open forum discussion and I had something that I wanted to, to kind of push forward. Um, and I remember I went around the complex and went to different departments that might've not necessarily been as knowledgeable or, or had an understanding of what specifically I was looking to, to push, but I explained it. Um, I would show them some of the stuff I had and I was like, all right, now tell me why I'm wrong. And I did that with the strength department. I did that with, um, you know, other coaches, whether in the development space, pitching coaches, um, you know, my old manager, Ricky Rivera, like I went into his office, uh, and I was like, this is what I'm doing. This is why I think this, tell me why I'm wrong. And just, I, I didn't care what it was. I just wanted different perspectives. Um, being able to answer those questions, um, ultimately is going to make you better. It's going to challenge the way you're thinking. Um, and it lets you know, like, okay, am I really right in this instance? Do I really have all the information? Um, am I going to get perspective or some negative feedback that is going to help me better either my position in arguing for what I'm looking to do or it going to back the argument against and say, hey, like, okay, I need to reevaluate why I'm doing this um, or I need to reevaluate how we're going about it. I like that. I like that. And it kind of leads me into this question of, have you had an athlete yet, whether driveline, Astros, anything in your past experience, have you had an athlete yet that almost is kind of like smug about thinking that something that you're, you know, some drill, cue, technique, whatever it is, thinking that, you know, is kind of stupid and like, oh, like, why are we doing this, Andrew? Like, you know, nudging the buddy, like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. And then you like kind of explain it and they're kind of, they just sit there and it's like, oh, I, I never thought of it like that. Like, okay, kind of come around. Have you had any, anybody kind of give you a little pushback and then, you know, eyes open, brain opens is like, holy shit. Okay. Let's, let's see what this is like then. And yes and no, like not, not in like a disrespectful way. I think like, um, the Latin players that we have, like, you know, they're, they're very respectful of, of when coaches are telling them to do things. And that's why, like, I always pushed for them to, to create an open forum where they could push back. Um, even when, like, I was, even with whatever we were doing was totally justified and I, and I had the data to back it. Like, I wanted them to be comfortable enough to, to ask why, even in a position, like, what are we doing this for? Um, because I wanted to get them to understand, I think. There are plenty of instances where like, especially in the beginning, um, you know, I was, you know, these guys from the DR, do they, do they know what driveline is? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, I was, but I was an outsider from professional baseball. I was an outsider from the organization. Um, so anytime you're coming in like that, they have a familiarity with 
um, coaches that are around. Like I had a, a couple hitting coaches that were there at the complex with me. Um, one that I was a hitting coach for the the team blue. Um, I had orange and then, um, we had a, a third hitting coach that, um, he'll now be going to, to high, but he was kind of there, um, you know, helping out in between he was doing rehab. Um, but he, um, he would tell me all the time, uh, that like certain players would kind of come to him in confidence be like, why are we doing this? And like, I don't understand this. And like, why is Andrew, you know, pushing this thing? And, um, in the beginning that was pretty common, uh, just because like I was the new person and that makes sense. Like you're going to go and, um, talk to people you're comfortable with because you're not always comfortable voicing those concerns to someone you don't know. Um, but you know, creating that atmosphere and after time, like guys got more and more comfortable asking me why, um, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we using these bats? Why, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and then by the end of the year, you know, there were, you know, people asking them questions and in, in instructs, uh, whether it's scouts or whoever, asking them why they were doing particular things. And these guys were able to stand there, um, even guys with English as a second language, which made it all that more impressive and be able to articulate a very, uh, clear understanding of why they were doing something, what the benefits were, and they were confident in the justification of it. Um, which was an extremely cool thing to, to hear, especially from one particular player who, um, who explained something to a pretty prominent figure and, uh, in the Oregon, um, did it in such a confident way um and he didn't do it like argumentatively it was it was just more so like he he had an understanding of why it benefited him um what it was for why he was doing it and um you know that prominent person was like ah, okay and and it was it was a really cool thing to hear that that he was able to do that um and that's not to say that like you know it's because i told him but it's because he like understood the real reasons why um and i wasn't even there when this was happening this was something that was told to me secondhand and then he told me himself so um, it was really cool to to hear that. That's the best. And I, I think obviously you're being a, a professional professional uh, throughout this uh, podcast of, you know, deflecting uh, accomplishment <laughs> to others and being thankful for just being a part of it. Uh, like just right there, you're like, you know, I, it wasn't, you know, what I said, he was able to understand it. Um, there's something to be said for the ability to translate and articulate from the coach to the player. Um, and I was actually just talking with somebody uh, that's here in the local area that they posted a video of uh, this professional hitting, talking about you know just mechanics, hips before hands, different things like that. Um, and the player actually commented back and saying, you know, that's nothing what I did. I, I wasn't doing hands before hips. I was throwing the knob at the ball and this and that and that. And we were going back and forth and speaking of, you know, there are a lot of former professionals and guys that are like Hall of Fame caliber players that can't actually articulate the real physical things that they were doing. They're just so stuck and necessarily what they were thinking, what they were trying to feel. And there's, you know, not saying that that's a bad thing, but in my opinion, a good coach is able to translate to different types of players with different um, backgrounds and different things like that to be able to get across the same point, but just different ways. And so for you to be able to inform this athlete of why you're doing it, to a point where they were able to 
understand it that well to then be able to give it to another person. I mean, that's the definition of do you truly understand something? Like if you're able to understand and you really get it, go teach it to somebody else. And with that person being the second person to kind of learn from it, with you being the source, the athlete being the second person, for that athlete to be able to, you know, like you said, give a great definition and reasons of why that they're doing it and the benefits, I think that's a testament to how good of a coach you are as well. Um, so I, I don't want you just to be able to kind of gloss over that. That That's something special that a lot of former big leaguers I don't feel are able to do, um, and you're able to do it, man. That's freaking incredible. So congratulations on that. I, I appreciate that, but I think, like, that's more of a testament to the, the people that you learn from. Um, you know, I don't, good coaches steal things. Um, you know, I, there, there are a bunch of people that I've taken stuff from. Um, you know, I think being a driveline, um, I've told him this all the time. I think, like, the director of hitting now, Tanner Stokey, one of the, the smarter hitting guys you'll ever meet. He'll never own up to it. He does... I was telling him he knew everything and I'd kind of joke around. I always said, no, he didn't, but like really humble guy. But like, that was something where, um, you know, being around him, uh, Andrew Wright, you know, these are guys that are working with, um, you know, former all-stars and MVP winners and, um, in around that, even, even working with JP, um, you know, the, the, the list goes on and on, uh, pretty much everyone that was working with the driveline, um, you know, everybody contributes something to, to what you take away, um, in learning atmosphere. I mean, you know, when I was coaching out in Minnesota, guys that I worked with out in, in DC, um, in smaller shops, guys that, um, weren't superstars, um, one of the better hitting coaches that, that I knew, um, especially like a few years ago when I was, when I was working out in DC, was a guy that, um, Pat Heisel, I'll name drop him. Um, Ooh. he, uh, he was part of the, the super regional teams out in Maryland, but, you know, he was playing behind guys like, um, his name, Brandon Lau, the, the dude from Tampa, uh, third baseman, the second baseman. Uh, okay. so he, he was playing behind an, a future MLB all-star. Uh, so he didn't, didn't get to play that much, <laughs> but, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, he does. He doesn't have the name recognition. He used to be playing behind future MLB All Stars, but it's a guy that um, I, I stole off from him. I'd hang out in his lessons and just kind of like eavesdrop on him and um, ask him questions in his own lessons. That was that was something that I always thought was funny. But um, no, there's definitely there's there's something you can learn from everybody. I've got a friend that owns a softball facility, and she called me the other day to ask me questions about, um, you know, what I guess one of her. Um, teenage girls on her uh, her team was learning from from some other facility and kind of she had thoughts and opinions but wanted to ping them off of me so i think like being able to have those conversations and learn and take from from different people is, is huge um so i mean you know i think it the kind of coach you are is, is also combined testament to the people that you've kind of been around as well um was it that that whole cliche thing is it's you know the the company you keep is who you are or you're some some combination of the company you get, i don't know something like that but um i think it just says a lot about the the people that you've you've kind of passed through along the way and um you know just not being able to 
to settle for, oh, I know everything. I have all the answers. Um, I think you know, there's that whole understanding that sometimes the, the smartest people in the room are the people that kind of think they're wrong all the time um, because you're willing to question the things you know and you're willing to question yourself. So, My man, you got more stiff arms than Derrick Henry in the last five seasons combined of me trying to give you compliments. But I think that's, uh, like you said, a testament of how humble you are um, and why I think you're you're such a good coach. Uh, and the reason why I love being able to just chat with you is, you know, you're able to just keep finding ways in other people and other avenues that uh, you kind of been able to build the career that you've been able to build. Um, I mean... Last time we were on the phone, like you say, we, you were in a hotel in Fayetteville, um, and now you're you're in a new space and and things like that where you're you've done an amazing job, man. And a hundred percent, it's been the people that you've been with. Um, I mean, I I give all the credit in the world to all of my past former coaches and everything like that. Um, but also, I mean. There have been people that have been in similar situations, maybe not the exact situations, but very similar, that have not taken advantage of the opportunity that they've been given. Um, like you said, they've kind of just said, you know, all right, well, now I'm right. Like I, I know everything, and um, it's unfortunate. And so for you uh, to be still willing to try and, you know, find the next thing and be willing to question and, you know, hand off the compliments to other people that you've put yourself around, um, I, I think a similar analogy that you were trying to bring up earlier is, uh, you know, iron sharp, iron sharpens iron. And the more that you can be around other, uh, you know, pieces of iron to help sharpen who you are, uh, the better. And, you know, that, that's honestly the whole reason why I started this hit chat, shit chat is, uh, I was doing lessons out of my own barn. And it was starting to become an echo chamber where anything that I said, it was always correct. There was no one to tell me that I was wrong. Uh, and it, you know, got boring. It, it got to a point where it was like, I want to get told that I'm wrong. I want to talk to somebody else and have them change my mindset or, or show me possibly something to do uh, a different drill or a different method of organization when it comes to blast motion numbers or just whatever it is, like, how can I be the best that I can be? Um, and that's going to be looking and talking to other people, uh, i.e. why we're here uh, on this Hit Chat Chit Chat. So uh, do you have anything that you would like to kind of throw out there? Uh, any plugs that you'd like to kind of get out? Um, anything like that? Um, I mean, just to get back on what you just said, like, anytime where you're in the, the situation, like, it is kind of like an echo chamber and you're, you're kind of in your own head. I think there was something that, uh, I had a conversation with my, I think it was my mom last week. Um, for like, you, like you said, like being in those kind of, being able to speak whatever that, that, that kind of topic is and whatever your thoughts are, like anytime you're, you're stuck in that situation where it's like, you're kind of hearing yourself, um, you're going to be able to answer a lot of questions by just hearing yourself say it out loud. So like even when you're in a conversation with somebody, um, even if like their input isn't necessarily vast and huge, just being able to hear yourself say something and, and being able to get it out of your own head, like 
you hear things that you're not going to hear when you're kind of just thinking them yourself, if that makes sense. Um, be able to answer a lot of your own questions um, or the questions that you were seeking. You're kind of able to assess and, and kind of reaffirm positions that you probably already know, um, but it just gives you that opportunity to do that. Uh, it's just funny that that was relevant, but um, but yeah, I mean, be willing to try new things. Um, and like that, that fear of, uh, especially in like purple, like, you know, what the, the joke is, the one rule is, is don't F anybody up. Don't, don't mess them up. Um, you know, nobody wants to, to do that with a player. Um, but if you have, um, the data to back you and you're willing to double, triple check your rationale for why you're doing things and have a real understanding, um, you know, be aggressive, um, you know, do those things. You know, my, my dad's father told him, and this reference might be a little dated, but, um, you can always dig a ditch. Um, you know, don't be afraid to, to kind of go for it. And if it doesn't work out, like you still dig a hole. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can still get a job doing that. Uh, obviously that might be, that might be deep because that was said to him, you know, a little while ago, but, um, <laughs> You know, that, that is, it is a true thing to get over, especially in the development space and, um, with a lot of egos and voices in the room. That's why I like, I think it's, it's, it's both a, a really cool thing to be coming from the background that I am, um, to add that point of view, but also like, you know, at times, you know, that, um, you know, some things you're bringing to the table automatically kind of put yourself on an Island, but, um, it challenges you in a way to like, okay, how can I present this information? in a in a way that create new questions um may deviate a little bit from from the current path but at the same time keep people on board um you're not going to win over everybody but if you can win over the right people um you know that's ultimately what you're trying to do you're not going to change everybody's mind um you know, people are going to come to conclusions eventually themselves um, but if you can guide them there present your information um, go about it in a way that, um, sparks potential question or conversation with somebody, maybe not in that immediate, but maybe two days, a week later, uh, you know, whatever down the line, you know, that's ultimately what you're trying to do. Um, because your job, especially like, as it relates to this player development, like your job is to develop the players. Um, for me, that, that means all of them. It doesn't mean the high money guy. It doesn't mean the flavor of the month. It means how can I get all of them better? And I think they, they going back to originally what you were saying with, um, what Kenny had, had kind of written, which was funny. Those were a bunch of random stats that I had had on my Twitter that he kind of shoved all together. But, um, <laughs> I, I put that out there because for me, that was hugely impressive given nature of tier team situation, um, where we had had talent spread across two teams. Um, yet we were still able to put ourselves, you know, I think there are 16 teams in the, the FCL as a total that year, 16, 17 teams. Um, we managed to put ourselves top six and everything. Um, I think we were in number in, in just the FCL. Um, I think we were like number two in um, hard hit balls between 10 and 30 degrees, which is what, what everybody's chasing this, um, you know, those barreled up baseball. So we, we did really well. Um, 
I think that was a testament to, in terms of our staff, like being able to develop everybody, um, independent of, of status or kind of prospect lists and things like that, because those places had our farm systems ranked at the bottom. Um, I think for me, like, that's why those things don't matter. Like they're nice. Like it's cool to hear that you're the number one farm system in baseball, but like, what are you doing to develop those players? A lot of times, most of those places have the number one pick for a consecutive year. And, um, it's easy to have the number one farm system when, you know, like not to, to get on any one particular club, but you know, when you're a team like the nationals and you happen to get very lucky in back-to-back years, drafting generational superstars and Strasburg and Harper and it's easy to get a number one ranking when you when you have absolute generational talent but what are you doing with those um those ten thousand dollar signees late late age grouping signees from latin america like with the astros and what they've done um formulating entire rotation of homegrown talent we have like deceptively kind of a higher payroll but we don't sign high price free agents we're just signing our own guys um and i think that's a huge testament to the success that, that the organization's had so and went off on a little bit of a tangent I love it. I love it. And I appreciate you coming on for the second time. We've been talking about looking to do this for a while. So to be able to make it to where your lineup or your schedule lines up uh, and we're able to knock it in. um, I absolutely am thrilled to have you back on and uh, I can't wait to get you on for a third time. Great. I'm happy to do it. Um, Just kind of hopefully happily worked out. Obviously the, uh, Wi-Fi issues in the beginning, going through two different computers and sitting on top of my router apparently isn't isn't doing anything to help the video. But uh, <laughs> really, really happy to do this again. I know we talked about with doing it, and uh, love to do it again. Hopefully, we get JP in here too. Uh, nice to see okay. his face. But looked at him the other day. He's doing good. He's killing it out in the drive line. So happy for him, man. Oh, me too. And we'll get you to meet uh, our third guy. We've added. We've had a third guy. His name is Connor Burns. Uh, we played at Garden City together, and he runs the hitting department uh, for Absolute Human Performance in Alberta, Canada. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, obviously, always tricky with um, being under the, the, the stipulations, working in pro ball. Um, you can't be can't be giving away the, the secrets all the time. But um, you know, any any opportunity that I have to to kind of talk hitting and player development space so i always love to do it um so yeah let's go for number number three at some point let's go baby i appreciate you have a great rest of your day uh and to everyone listening i appreciate you tuning in uh to hit chat shit chat um tune in next week and uh we'll get another episode in there so thank you guys so much thank you andrew for coming on and to everybody have a good one